Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. Today's passage is Mark 15. When you study history and historical events, sometimes it's easy to see how a historical event, even though it may be hundreds or thousands of years ago, has affected your life. Uh, Consider, for instance, the events surrounding the Protestant Reformation in the 16th century. Uh, You perhaps have studied some of those and you see how these events have very much affected your life and, and the tradition of Christianity in which you were raised. But maybe you look at other events in history, like say how the center of power in the Roman Empire shifted at some point from Rome to Constantinople and you say, yeah, I don't know exactly how that affected me. Well, today we're going to look at a historical event, and I want you to see it perhaps more than any other. It is the first kind where we should be able to look at this event and directly trace the impact to our lives. And that event is the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Here we're talking about the unjust execution of one man outside the walls of Jerusalem on a Friday afternoon about 2,000 years ago. But we should be honest and say that event has not just impacted my life. That's an understatement. We, if you are a Christian, can say, I owe my life to that event. And that event really is the focus of Mark chapter 15, the crucifixion of Jesus. And what I'd like to do is walk through the chapter, uh, but then take some time to reflect on the significance of what is written here. Uh, As we start the chapter, what we were in the middle of kind of this unjust trial that they threw together uh, and the unjust accusations that they threw at Jesus in chapter 14. But when the morning comes, it seems a lot of what was going on overnight, according to Jewish law, would have been somewhat unofficial. But as soon as the morning comes, they hold a, a consultation and try to put some you know, face of officialness on this these proceedings, and they bind Jesus and they lead him away to Pilate. And Pilate asks him, are you the king of the Jews? And he answers, you have said so. And Jesus is, is not really making many answers. Again, you see the silent resolve of Jesus here at the beginning of chapter 15. Um, And and then we see uh, Pilate going through this exercise of, well, I usually release a prisoner and maybe he thinks this is a way to release Jesus. Um, And and even you see that Pilate is perceptive in verse 10. It says, for he perceived that it was out of envy that the chief priests had delivered him up. Now here, I do think we see a a little clue that we should probably take envy more seriously than we do. We think of, uh, you know, 
various big sins. Maybe you think of murder or stealing or adultery, you know, some of the things listed in the Ten Commandments. Well, remember one of the Ten Commandments is also thou shalt not covet, something very closely related to envy. And we see it's the envy of the chief priests uh, that caused them to deliver Jesus up and lead to the crucifixion of Jesus. Oof. Uh, it's kind of an aside from the main point of this passage. That if you're feeling some envy in your heart today, watch out for how dangerous that sin is. Um, But not only do you see the envy of um, the religious leaders, you see the weakness of Pontius Pilate. You you see his desire to please the people. Verse 15 says, wishing to satisfy the crowd. And there may be some historical things behind this, that Pilate was not very popular, that he'd already had some run-ins with the the Jewish leaders, maybe situations he hadn't uh, handled very well. And he might realize, hey, if I screw this up and if I get a problem with them again, that may cost me my job. And he wants to satisfy the people. And so he releases Barabbas and having scourged Jesus, he delivers him over to be crucified. So we're even seeing some things about the characters as we read the envy of the chief priests, uh, the weakness, the people pleasing of Pilate. Now we get in just to the brutal mockery of the soldiers and the crowds in these next sections, the soldiers, um, Maybe there's less knowledge behind what they're doing. It's unlikely that these Roman soldiers really knew much about Jesus, or at least not to the same level that the Jewish leaders or the crowds would have understood about Jesus. But you can see perhaps just the brutality of these men and how they think inflicting incredible physical physical punishment on somebody is funny and a joke. That seems to be what it is to them. Hey, let's have some fun. And their version of fun is mocking and intense physical pain. You think of the crown of thorns. It talks about how they were striking him with a reed and then they strip off the purple cloak, likely after he's been scourged. I mean, if you think of ripping off a Band-Aid, well, imagine having a whole cloak over your bleeding back and having that ripped off, Uh, intense suffering for Jesus. And then Jesus goes through the suffering of crucifixion. Uh, They they take him out and they crucify him. And again, it's important for us sometimes to remember that crucifixion was a brutal way to die. It was not just a form of execution. It was meant to be, hey, let's torture you while we execute you. Uh, The way that it was designed, and and most people actually would would die because they couldn't breathe anymore. On top of just the physical pain of being nailed to the cross, uh, trying to breathe um, in that circumstance required a lot of strength and and to push yourself up when all of your, um, you know, your arms and your legs are nailed to a cross to push yourself up to be able to take a breath would have been incredibly hard and incredibly painful. Uh, and, And Jesus endures that on the cross. And then you see the mocking of the people. Oh, you would destroy the temple and rebuild it. Uh, The chief priests, he saved others. He cannot save himself. Let the Christ, the Messiah, the King of Israel come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. And even those who were crucified with him reviled him. So all of that should be a shock to our senses that Jesus is the Christ. He is the King of Israel. And another thing, we've talked about the silent resolve of Jesus. Um, Jesus takes this. He endures this. 
I mean, he could have wiped out those Roman soldiers. He could have wiped out the crowds and the chief priests, but he did not. And then we see uh, that it comes to the end of the crucifixion and he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is a reference to Psalm 22. And I think even gives us a sense of, well, what, what else is going on on the cross besides uh, just the physical torture uh, and suffering that Jesus was enduring? There was a sense that now he is crying out to God, feeling forsaken by his father. And then we see Jesus utters a loud cry. He breathes his last. The curtain of the temple is torn in two from top to bottom. And the centurion, this is another key moment in the chapter. Uh, The Roman centurion, this Roman commander, he sees what happens and he says, truly this man was the son of God. Now, if you go back to Mark chapter one, verse one, we should see, well, that's a, that's a key idea to the whole gospel of Mark. Uh, The beginning of Mark says even some of these exact words. It says the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the son of God. And now he has emphatically made that point that Jesus is the son of God. And then we see the women that are there at the site of the crucifixion. And then we see the burial. And you do see courage in this figure of Joseph of Arimathea. Describes him as a respected member of the council who was also looking for the kingdom of God. He took courage and went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. So even the the text there highlights his courage. And you can understand why that would take some courage. That this council that he was a part of just put Jesus to death, or at least consented to it and pushed for it. And now he is standing up to say, Hey, I'm going to bury this guy. Uh, That was an act of courage. So against the envy of the religious leaders and uh, the weakness of Pilate, we do see the courage of Joseph of Arimathea uh, as something more of a model to us. Now, as we've walked through the chapter, again, I want us to think today, what is the significance of this? We don't just read this chapter dispassionately uh, through the lens of, well, let's just understand some historical facts. We should realize that we owe everything to the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And even some of the language in verse 15, uh, talking about him being delivered up, uh, just the the different language used there uh, would be the same language that's used in different places in Isaiah 53 in the Greek translation of the Old Testament. So it's hard to tell how intentional Mark is there. Is that something for sure that he meant to use those same words to make us think of Isaiah 53? It's not as direct as, you know, a quote like we see from Psalm 22. But that's where I would encourage you today. As you process this, sure, you can uh, learn some things about the danger of envy or people pleasing or admire the courage of Joseph. But what I'd like you most to do today is to reflect on the significance of the cross. Reflect on the, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, because we see throughout scripture, so many passages that tell us the significance of what happened on the cross. And that's where Mark might not get into all of that, but I think it's good for us to remember it. So much of the rest of the scriptures uh, highlight the significance of what happened. And I'd encourage you to maybe find some 
passages of your own that highlight this. Let me just share you share with you two. One comes from the Old Testament that we've already mentioned, Isaiah 53. And just listen to verses five and six. It says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And so even as you read and listen to that passage, we understand what was going on on the cross. He was suffering for us. He was very much a substitute on the cross. We deserve God's punishment, and he took it for us. Us. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Is not the crucifixion incredibly important? Uh, and then one other passage that even also refers to Isaiah 53, 1 Peter 2, and uh, as we look at verse 24, it reminds us of what happened on the cross. It says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness by his wounds you have been healed for you were straying like sheep but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls so as we think just through those passages we should be reminded our sin was born by Jesus Christ the only hope that we have for forgiveness is because of this historical event of the crucifixion of Christ. But the first Peter passage even highlights is more than just forgiveness. It doesn't end with forgiveness. The cross was meant to change our lives. He bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. So as you think through the events of Mark 15, I really want to encourage you to reflect on the significance of those events and even to invite in so many of the passages of scripture that tell us what the significance of these events, of this event was. That our sins were for, are forgiven that our lives should be changed because of what Jesus has done. Reflect on that significance and worship the Savior, Jesus Christ, because of it. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.